All right, so this is the next uh, section about type and effect systems in the first chapter, the uh, introductory chapter. It's about uh, type and effect systems, however, putting a weight or a focus on the effect systems, not so much the types, though um, we will have to say a few words on type systems as well. Of course, a type system is probably the more known part. Type system is a classical static analysis, um, and it is types are well known. It's a well known abstraction um, since for most programmers, types are exposed. So, most programming languages have a notion of type which is visible to the user because the user has to write sometimes or always uh, the types of things that uh, are being declared so like an int or a bool or records or classes or uh, things like that and what the type system does it says uh, given a term here it's called t for a term but think of it as a program or a program fragment um, a program phrase part of a program given a program t then it has type t and it's indicated by this uh, often by this colon uh, notation t is of type capital t in this in this uh, formula however um, actually this is a simplification um, the um, type systems are a classical context sensitive analysis it's not a context free um, analysis context-free uh, is the grammar so syntactic properties of program are context-free properties kind of like by convention or by definition uh, context sensitive means uh, something more complicated in terms of the uh, Chomsky hierarchy or Chomsky Schützenberger hierarchy that we mentioned before um, but this is a language theoretic aspect but uh, we don't go into this direction uh, in uh, terms of um, typing or type systems, type checkers or compilers. Uh, the, the, the word context actually uh, it has a more concrete meaning. It, uh, there is a thing called context and the type judgment does not look like this. It looks like this. That it's here tau is uh, kind of like maybe a sloppiness on my side. Uh, either I should uh, write two times t uh, or two times tau, um, but it seems to be a sloppiness on the slide. Anyway, um, the judgment says that program fragment or term t is of type tau in, 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 in uh, this block, but only under the assumption uh, kept in gamma. So gamma, with this uh, Greek notation, is known as the assumption context or the assumption or type context or, or something like that. And concretely, um, in the programming language implementation terms, one could think of it as the uh, symbol table of the of the of the program, actually. So um, anyway, um, why do we need context? Why is type systems context sensitive? Well, it's simple. If we are, or the type checker is to judge about the type of x plus one, and syntactically the um, the compiler knows that plus is a 
is a reserved symbol denoting addition. One is a reserved symbol denoting one, and X uh, it perhaps in, a, in 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 that chosen programming language, and at that position would be a variable. Then still uh, one cannot make the judgment whether X plus one uh, is well typed. Um, simply because one does not know what x is. The x is defined somewhere outside of this phrase. It's defined in the context, so to say. And gamma keeps relevant information about that context. Relevant, uh, in our case, means information that allows to, to judge the type. Or not. And that means uh, if the context, the symbol table or the um, assumptions contain the assumption that x is of type um, integer, in this case the type checker or the type system would come to the conclusion that x plus 1 is well typed and has itself uh, presumably the, the type int as well. If x is not of type uh, integer but of type that doesn't fit, then the type system under this other assumption would reject this um, this term or this program phrase. Okay, so this so far was a kind of like uh, shedding light on uh, what type systems are to do. They ultimately say yes or no to a program or to a program fragment uh, based on uh, the typing information. Uh, actually, they do more than yes or no. They say no, the, the, the program is ill-typed or yes, the program is well-typed and the type is actually such and such, maybe uh, integer as in the example. Um, okay, now this is kind of like the role of static, uh, of the classical types, right? The classical somehow uh, have an opinion on the following. Give me this program. When you evaluate the program, I mean, when you run the program and when the program stops, then the resulting value, the end result, so to say, will be of a certain type, like integer. Um, now, um, non-classical or non-standard, sorry, non-standard type system do something else. For instance, what they will do uh, in the introduction that we are right in is we will add information to the types that speak about data flow. In particular, they speak about the reaching definitions. So basically what we do is we pick up the reaching definitions that we have seen in one of the earlier sections and phrase it in terms of non-standard types equipped with flow information somehow. Um, that is less known and is less known uh, for users simply because this does not show up uh, on the um, on the surface language is kind of like internal to the decorations that the static analysis do to the type system. In that sense, um, it's uh, not those uses of type systems are less known in, in, in to the users um, of programming languages. Um, and the non-standardness often refers to the fact that it's not about the end result, but it is about info further information, like flow information, or things that happen in between somehow. Not at the end, that's the standard type, but things that happen in between. Um, all right. Now, 
so, so this one is gives it gives us a, a direction of what we are after when we are going for effects so to say or non-standard type systems um, however the types here we do not want to see so much so that means we take a kind of like a language where the type system is trivial and the language where the underlying the the, the core type system uh, is trivial um, as language for that we choose the while language if you remember the while language was basically untyped there were some traces of types in there there were some expressions which were seen as um, as arithmetic expressions integer expressions so to say <clears throat> and there were some expressions were seen as boolean uh, expressions though there were no types the distinctions between arithmetic expressions and boolean expressions were done by the syntax itself so it's context free so to say and therefore there was no issue about whether um, um, we didn't need a context so to say so we, we could have a context free representation of the yeah, quote unquote the type system so to say um, now um, that made or that makes or that made the type system trivial since the, tri the, the type system typically as I said should filter out this program is well typed and the other program is not well typed and therefore rejected. Now the type system says all syntactically correct programs are well typed. So therefore I do, would not even need a type system. Why do I need a type system which always says yes, I might as well uh, uh, remove the type checker if it continuously says true, 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 as I say. Uh, in that, and that's the technical sense of being trivial. It doesn't do anything. All right. However, we use this trivial uh, type system to add something on top, namely the effect part or the non-standard part. But we don't get distracted by complications of some underlying type system. All right. Um, as I said, we do a trivial type system. If you remember, uh, the while language uh, consisted of arithmetic expressions A, of Boolean expressions B, but the core uh, of the of the language, I mean the statements of the language, were called S in the grammar, in the in the BNF form of the grammar that we used. So this one is a statement, and this one, I mean this this um, sigma, uh, you could think of it as a, uh, kind of like a state or the type of states. But what you could also see is that the whole thing is just the same as um, a statement uh, which is formed according to the grammar is of type OK. So I just make OK for being well typed. So you could say the type system will say whether or not a statement is OK. For that we write a bit more elaborate that it takes a state and gives back a state because it's an imperative language. Um, and what we also said, it's trivial. It will say for all statements. So therefore, in that sense, it will be um, a, a trivial type system. Actually, it's not all trivial, it's also very simple. Um, we will see that on the next slide. And what we see on the next slide is also the way how to specify type systems. It's not necessarily the same uh, as uh, specifying a type checker, an, an algorithm, though in this case it will be the same. But the type system, I use the word by meaning or referring to the specification of what the type checker should do. Um, that, that's 
my use of the word type system, whereas type checker is either the concrete um, uh, module in a, in a compiler, the, the one who's responsible for doing the type check, or um, more theoretically, an algorithm that does that. So maybe not directly implemented in, in a concrete language, but as an algorithm, a recursive procedure which does it. Not all type systems, given in the way that we see on the next slide, uh, are a priori and immediately a type checker somehow. Okay, here's a type system. The type system is given by rules, and these rules may or may not directly correspond to an algorithm, uh, especially when we have uh, complicated type systems, then the rules are not trivially, uh, they are, it's not easy to, to implement them. Sometimes, sometimes impossible because you can write all kinds of rules and they may or may not be decidable, the derivability by the rules. But in this case, it would be. Now, how, uh, what do I see here? Well, if you remember the language, the, the, the language, um, respectively, the, the core construct of the language was given by a grammar and said the statements are of the following form. And there were one, two, three, f uh, four, f four uh, and five constructs, um, which so basically there were f in this grammar, there was S can be constructed like this, like this, like this. And what you see in the rules is for each uh, of the five different ways how a statement can be constructed um, in this um, in this um, grammar there is one uh, rule one, one calls these things rules um, yeah okay um, so basically it's a case distinction if I want want to implement that would be a case distinction depending on the top level constructor of the syntax when I'm saying rules one sees that the rules are given by having things on top and things on the bottom. The things on top one calls premises and the things on bottom one calls the conclusion or the other other names for that. Um, however, there are two rules um, for which there is no uh, top and there is also not, not one of those lines in between. Basically, uh, one could also, to make it uniform, uh, make a line here. In this case, it becomes a rule with zero um, premises, so to say here this rule has two premises, this, this rule has two premises, the sec rule has two premises, uh, the first rule us and the, the rule skip do not have premises, which means one often um, leaves the, the, uh, the line out. Um, actually one calls them sometimes also not a rule, but one calls it an axiom. So this one, the axiom in so far that what it states is, give me uh, an assignment of this form, it's a labeled assignment, then the assignment is okay if we interpret this as being okay, always. So all, all um, um, assignments are type correct, um, if I write them in this way. All skips are type correct, that's this one. Now, a, a semicolon, a sequential composition, um, if um, uh, the first part of a composition is okay and the second part of a, of a sequential composition is okay, then the composition is okay. Um, well, the same for the while loop. The, um, if the body of the while loop is okay, uh, the while loop is okay. 
um, I don't check B, um, but one could also make uh, checking of B, but but B is just syntactically correct. So we, we focus here on the on the statements. And finally, the conditionals, if the left part of a conditional is okay and the right part is of the, the conditional is okay, uh, then the conditional itself is okay. Now, we have now one rule exactly for each construct, each way of constructing a program. Um, there's not two rules for some, there's not more uh, rules or, or axioms somehow. Um, and basically it's very easy to see that um, the system in itself is trivial. It doesn't make any restrictions uh, because of this exact correspondence between the syntax and the structure of the stuff. And the fact that they always say if it's if the parts are okay, the thing is okay. It basically is a complicated way of writing the grammar itself. It's also context-free, so we don't uh, make any assumption uh, on uh, variables. Uh, simply, I mean, uh, the the, um, the the obvious reason why we don't make assumptions on free variables is because the variables are kind of like. Uh, uh, always integer variables. We have only integer variables. We do not have Boolean variables. So therefore we don't need to look up in the context um, what type the variables is. It's kind of like built in. So therefore um, this is a, a trivial type system. The thing that you should get used to or that you should um, already hear um, swallow is kind of like the way that we write these type systems by way of rules. I, we don't see too many type systems, but if we see them, we will typically write them like this. Okay, now um, for what comes now is we now go to a more complicated to refinements of this type system. The type system was trivial, as I said, and there are two uh, ways of doing that. There are effect systems or annotated type systems, the type and effect systems and so on. So this terminology is not 100% uh, standardized and the borderline um, um, between them is also fuzzy. So I, I don't, sometimes one cannot really say what is it. Um, they are all kind of like similar ways of getting the same stuff. So if we, we go in one direction, we will call it an uh, annotated type system um, by uh, the following, I mean, the, the reason why we call or why people might call it like that. So remember that uh, in this trivial setting, um, we uh, used as the only type sigma to sigma, basically meaning the same as being okay. Uh, but with the mindset that a statement uh, is okay, meaning that a statement takes as an, so to say, input a state um, and gives back another state if it terminates. So this was the intention of, of this uh, more complicated uh, notation. But now on the given types, which have this strange form, because we have here an imperative language, but anyway, the, the types mention things like sigma and now we put in annotation um, on it somehow so we uh, here instead of sigma we say sigma one for instance or some form sigma, by which we mean um, not all states anymore that are possible but only a subset and that can be seen as a property uh, of the states or invariants or other things that we're interested in 
um, actually, in our case, it will have to do later with the region definitions. So kind of like which variables and which lines reach that point of the program. Anyway, anyway so the way um, uh, this flavor, let's call it the annotated type system. Now, um, the other one uh, uh, does does another thing so or uses a different notation in a way um, we we maintain that it goes from sigma to sigma but put uh, uh, something on the arrow um, and we say the interpretation is um, the the state takes uh, sorry the, the statement the statement s takes a state then does some stuff i mean is evaluated is executed and if it terminates it results in a state but during the execution, uh, something happens. Uh, namely, um, what happens is described by some formula phi. So that makes kind of like this phi is called the effect. And that could be the list of errors that could occur, the list of exceptions that may be thrown, the number of file accesses if you want that the type system captures resource usage or, or memory consumption. or whatever so this is the effect system now we see already that the borderline is fuzzy i mean in one case we refine um, we refine the, the sigma or add information on the sigma and the other variant the second one the effect system we add information on um, the the arrow the kind of but i mean in both ways we kind of like um add information, extra information, um, to the underlying uh, type system. And therefore, now yeah, it's sometimes difficult to say whether one should see it as an annotated type system or an effect system. And um, therefore, uh, the terminology-wise, the borderline is, uh, is uh, different, uh, is, is fuzzy. However, if you look afterwards at these two ways of going for reaching definition, now yeah, um, one has to have a clear mind what one uh, wants to do uh, and we see that uh, formulation a and formulation b uh, whether we call it like this or call it like that is, is, is a different question but formulation a and formulation b's are kind of like doing the same things but doing it in slightly different ways and depending on uh, how we interpret what we are writing down okay let's go first uh, the um um, annotated uh, um, type system somehow uh, and actually here we see that um, even if we write uh, um, RD information we also call that an annotated um, type system it's not directly an effect system so we have again two flavors of the first one the annotated type system and what we are doing is uh, we are rehashing what we know about reaching definitions well, that has the advantage that uh, at that point we don't have to uh, explain what reaching definitions is again because we know that from the uh, data flow uh, part already. And in effect, um, it's the same stuff. So what we will see now is exactly the same uh, what we have done or, or results in the same stuff what we have some in the data flow analysis. So therefore, it's also no difference in terms of the outcome. It's only that, uh, de depending on what kind of background you have or what kind of preferences you have in uh, in writing down stuff, 
Some people like to write it down in the way that we've seen before. Some people write to um, write it down as part of a decorations to the type systems somehow. Uh, but effectively, there is no big difference. They capture the same. The, it's also not that one is more efficient than the others. It is indeed a way of thinking uh, more. Okay, um, so let's see. Um, let's go for the first one. By base type, um, I mean, in, in our case, the base types were very trivial. They were just this one and this one. So it, it says a state, a statement um, takes some form state, does, and when it terminates, gives back a state. So sigma is a very trivial type. It says um, it's a state. Okay, everything where you are is a state. Anyway, all right. Now, however, uh, now the states um, become more refined. So it's no longer uh, from one, some state to uh, a state, but it, RD says from a state with a certain amount of reaching definition information. And if you remember, reaching definitions were sets uh, of variables and labels somehow. And of course, the reaching definition information of this uh, form here can change uh, for a statement. We remember, um, we remember, um, for instance, when we dealt with intra-block uh, equations in the data flow part, there was a difference between the RD information at the exit and the RD information at the entry because there was certain information was removed, certain information was added. And we will see uh, the same effect uh, or the same phenomenon here. And um, I mean, the, the fact that the RD information can change from the beginning to a statement to the end of a statement, or of course, of sequences of statement of whole programs, that is captured here that uh, RD1 is different in general from RD2. The RD information from the beginning uh, of the statement after the, um, until the uh, information at the end uh, of the statement. All right, um, now uh, the meaning uh, of this uh, statement, so how do we uh, interpret what is intended to be meant by such a uh, judgment, I should say, S is the statement, this one is a judgment, um, it says. The following, uh, however, be prepared, um, I, I call it here the meaning in quotation marks. Um, and by meaning in quotation marks, we will see that this is not correct. I mean, it's a, it will turn out to be imprecise at least. Actually, it's wrong but, or imprecise in a sense. So, but anyway, let's look at um, a first approximation what such a statement could mean. Well, um, yeah, so let's fix first that in it. Uh, is the unique label at the entry of S, so the entry point of the control flow graph of, that corresponds to S, if you wish, and final is the set of labels at the exits of S. So now a meaning could be, well, um, our, if RD is the set of labels and variables reaching the entry of S, uh, and RD2 is the corresponding set at the exit of S, which means like, um, like uh, I've written down here in the uh, in the um, in the equations here. Okay, um, that, that's kind of like the intended meaning, so to say. 
it, it's as I said not the ultimate word of that but uh, let's see if we can somehow uh, figure out um, rules that capture that kind of like fluffy formulation of the meaning uh, and by capture by rules I mean we go back uh, to these rules it looks already a bit um, naya, uh, uh, over marked with red color but anyway we take uh, these rules um, and make them more refined and namely by talking not about sigma to sigma but talking about rd1 and rd2 all right here it is um, the, the first two rules uh, about the elementary uh, statements they are axioms oh, yeah. and then we say the um, um, kind of like if the information about rd uh, is uh, this one before the statement um, and the statement is labeled with L prime this is this one then the RD information at the exit uh, of this elementary statement uh, is the same as the beginning however I remove this pair of uh, th these uh, pairs namely all of the pairs um, which involve X somehow because it's overwritten here and I add the fact that at label L prime um, X is assigned now this is exactly the intraflow um, uh, uh, clause that we have seen before remove stuff and add stuff we, later we'll call it kill stuff and generate stuff okay fine that was not so hard now what about the um, what about the skip statement well the skip statement has no influence on the vchain definition it neither kills anything nor generates that information so basically it says if you start uh, with rd information rd and execute skip then the post condition if you uh, want to call it like this is rd again unchanged now sequential composition now that's actually easy if S1 starts with uh, RD1 um, and if it terminates gets RD2 and if it so happens that S2 starts with RD, RD2 and when it uh, terminates uh, the reaching definitions is captured by RD if these two things um, are the case then the sequential composition uh, come goes from 1 to 3 so um, S1 goes from 1 to 2, S2 goes from 2 to 3, so to say. Then um, S1 uh, sequentially composed with S2 goes from 1 to 3. So that's easy enough. Now the if statement, let's look at that. Well, okay, um, here's uh, an interpretation and we will uh, come back uh, to that. But it says the following, if you're in the situation you look at the two branches of an if then else now if it is if it um, happens so that the both branches s1 and s2 the statement for the left branch and the statement for the uh, right branch if it so happens that both these two branches transform rd1 into rd2 so both do the same huh? if that happens the, the, uh, then also the um, conditional uh, conditional uh, statement does the same now that's logically 
clear, I mean, in some sense. Um, the static analysis does not know whether we, we go left or right. It does not know, it cannot know whether S1 is executed or S2 is executed. However, if both statements, S1 and S2, happens to do this, have the same effect, if you if we call it now like that, even if it's not annotated effect system or stuff like that, but if they lead to the same transforming of the region definition from RD1 to RD2 in both branches, then the if then else certainly does the same stuff. Okay, um, and before I come back to this, uh, let's uh, do the um, the while uh, statement. Now, if it so happens, now the while state. I mean, the, the if then else, the static analysis has the problem with the if then else in so far that it does not know whether it takes the left and the right branch but in this case both do the same now for the while the if the, the static analysis has the problem it does not know how often the while loop is done could be one time could be two times could be infinitely many times in which case it doesn't matter much but it could also be zero times okay now since the uh, type system or the static analysis does not know um, how often the while loop is executed now how can it make it make a judgment what happens well it can do this if the body has no effect so to say if the body keeps the reaching definition uh, unchanged this is here the premise of the while loop s uh, has when s is executed starting with rds before then when it terminates it will give the same unchanged information rd so this is it's an invariant uh, in the term in the terminology of uh, some people so if rd is an invariant by the body then since it doesn't change anything it does not matter how often i execute uh, s even if i execute it not at all is also fine because then it has also no effect if i don't execute it so that means in this situation that I know that or can establish that um, the while loop has the same effect. A, a body that has kind of like does not affect any change can be put in a while loop and it still does not do any change. It has no effect, so to say. Now, yeah, now that is all fine and good. I mean, the if I explain it like that and you could follow the two rules, if and while, kind of like makes sense, but they're spooky anyway, because uh, yeah, how, how uh, can it be that uh, both, uh, so to say, branches S1 and S2 have the same effect or have the same RD uh, change? Uh? That seems to be very seldom the case. Okay, and even worse for the while loop. Now, yeah, the the, the, the uh, um, rule allows me to make an argument only for the probably very seldom case that the uh, loop body, the S in this case, has no effect. This sounds very seldom the case. Now, yeah, um, well, actually, if we would stop here, if we would say this is what we have. It would basically be a meaningless uh, system and uh, I mean it would not be wrong but it would basically at some for some programs it would say um, wrong I mean I cannot derive anything there is no I, I cannot derive that for instance because the while loop has does have an effect um, but that's not what we want from a uh, from a region definition system from a type system 
if we had a real-time system, we would say, reject me some programs. Uh, but the, the reaching definition should not reject programs. It should not say why I couldn't find out the reaching definition stuff, so I, I, I'm confused. I stop I now and please program something else somehow. So this is not what we want from a, We want an analysis um, of the reaching definition, not like reject the program. And of course, um, the, the analysis may be rough, they may be over approximated, but we want analysis and we would not like to reject. Um, note that also that, uh, that if we stop here, I mean, after these uh, first five rules, we have exactly um, mirrored the five rules, the structural rules that we have one rule, one rule per syntactic construct. However, we are not finished here. We have another rule. Here's the rule of sub stands for not really subtyping, though this is a good, uh, actually not incorrect interpretation. It's called subsumption and subsumption is connected to subtyping. And it says uh, kind of like we can weaken and strengthen the RD information. So here build in some slack. So if a statement goes from RD1 to RD2 in the primed version, then you can also go from RD1 to RD2 in an unprimed version, provided um, the thing that comes afterwards, the RD2 is larger, um, uh, or what comes earlier, the RD1, the, the precondition, if you want, becomes smaller. This is sometimes also called weakening rule. Um, um, here it's called subsumption but, or weakening. That allows you to adapt the things. And that is in the spirit with what we said about um, about safety uh, or safe approximation. If we put, if something is an okay reaching definition information, then making it larger is also okay. So this is like here. However, uh, on the left-hand side, um, it works the other way around. So if we put in less at the beginning uh, of the, uh, the um, statement, then that is also a step that does not uh, violate the safety of the analysis. Okay, um, therefore, here's the meaning uh, of uh, uh, the judgment again. This is again um, wrong, and the wrongness is the fact that RD is not the set. Um, it's an approximation of it, because we... Um, like in this case, so the, this weakening thing here, that allows uh, to uh, kind of like if the two branches S1 and S2 have the reaching definition, the exact reaching definition, then the weakening allows us to put them to kind of like make the smaller one uh, of the both put, put that as the common RD1 and put the larger RD2s as the common um, RD2s somehow. So to uh, to kind of like put in slack so that both branches, after putting in this slack with this weakening or strengthening rules, um, that they are, have the same pre and post conditions. However, in that case, we cannot uh, really say it is the RD information for the left branch or the, the RD information of the right branch. It is a safe, uh, RD information for both branches, namely common for both branches. And that is kind of like, which is wrong here, it's not the most precise or the 
uh, reaching definition, it is a uh, uh, reaching definition. So, therefore, the real interpretation, or the better interpretation is, it's a set uh, reaching. So, therefore, um, if um, the um, RD is smaller than the one that actually occurs at uh, uh, so to say, in the in the in the ultimate solution, if a d is smaller than the uh, real one, uh, then um, what comes out is smaller than the r d two for all the final ones. So the the um, we have to kind of like build in this slack. Otherwise, if we read the English sentence um, very fine grained, it's slightly misleading. So this is kind of like then the meaning of the. Um, um, the statements. The next two slides uh, kind of like show um, how one can use this rule system to derive reaching definitions for a very simple uh, program. Um, and the program actually is the program that we've seen before. So F uh, is supposed to be the um, uh, the factorial uh, and what we want uh, is uh, kind of like um, this is so to say the annotated type we said um, the, the factorial has given this as a precondition has rd as post condition in a way or as the reaching definition information here i, I just write one uh, three, five, uh, maybe one should have uh, written label five, label one, but here's just the numbers and not the, the L's. But um, I also leave out the X somehow. So technically the information should be tuples, but then the, uh, the derivation uh, gets too big. So um, we see at the precondition that we put in um, that all the uh, variables are uninitialized as a as a, uh, a reasonable precondition because that's what it is is anyway. Okay, now as I said, this is two slides. We should probably enjoy them or read them carefully uh, side by side. I cannot show them side by side in the slides. Um, the program kind of like um, this one that is the while program. Yes, two statements at the beginning. And then there will be F3 is the rest of the program. So uh, you see here there's F and then there will be F2 and then there will be F3. And the F3 is when the while uh, program or the rest of the while loop starts and the rest of the program, so to say. So let's look at the derivation. Um, we try to establish uh, that one. Now we split off the first, um, which corresponds to this first part. We split off the first um, assignment here and use, this is the, the, the rule for sequential composition. Namely, we said that RD2 goes from, uh, it's, the, the precondition of the, the first statement is RD0 and afterwards, um, these two variables are still uh, uninitialized However, uh, the variable y 
is assigned to at label zero, which is kind of like uh, what this assignment does. Now we continue here and the post condition uh, of the first assignment is the precondition of the rest. So this one is kind of like the rest. Now, um, how do we do that? We do the same uh, step as before. We split off the first, uh, this is this statement kind of, the first uh, statement of F2. And uh, now, yeah, this one is kind of like uh, the same, so to say. And this one goes from um, X uh, is still uh, non-initialized. This one uh, we know is zero. And this one is still uninitialized. That is the precondition of this one. And we go here. And now since Z is uh, assigned to at label one, uh, this one is added. And from that, we continue with the rest. All right. So far, it's kind of like simple. Um, the, the, the reason why it's simple is that we, uh, the, um, how to say, the, there's no loop yet. Now comes the loop and here it becomes more interesting. Uh, this one uh, is here, um, the while loop, um, uh, followed by this, uh, by this x, um, um, y equals zero. So uh, if we um, we split that up, so th this one goes uh, from this precondition. We see, we saw that on the previous slide to the final one, and here we kind of like split it up. We said uh, this precondition goes to body, and the body goes to the end. Okay, fine. Now. The problem now, uh, so in order to apply that, this is the while, um, while part. Um, what we do now is, it, we, we remember that in order to um, analyze the body, we must have kind of like an invariant. So we must have that the, um, the uh, uh, while loop and then also the body does not change anything so therefore what we then do is um, we see that the body kind of like uh, is uh, contained or this one is contained in the body so we can use the weakening rule to uh, to do that and if so in that case we can kind of like use the the while rule here and, and, and say that the body has this invariant but the body in some sense if we analyze the body um, would kind of like only give this as a result if we start with this is a precondition then this is the post condition but again we can use the sub rule to kind of like make that into an invariant uh, result okay now um, fine I mean, the, the, it's not 100% important that you follow all the steps, especially not by listening to it somehow. The uh, uh, really important, I mean, one part is that, I said that before, the result of the analysis is kind of like the same. So the, the analysis, the reaching definition, I mean, reaching definition is independent of how you formulate it as a data flow problem, equations, constraints, or as, um, type system or effect system or whatever it doesn't matter reaching definition is reaching definitions right so the result is the, the 
will in these two cases be the same no matter how you formulate it okay fine the second one is um, one can use derivation rules to establish the same information that we got by solving constrained systems um, all right and the third point is the derivation rules is not as trivial I mean or I mean okay solving the constraints is also not trivial but I mean it's not so obvious I mean I'm, I talked you through the stuff but in a way it is not 100% obvious sometimes uh, to um, deal with it and the, the important things where actually it would make problems uh, for for coming up with these derivations are the two rules uh, are the subsumption rules and the two subsumption rules are in particular complicated when we have to deal with them in the context of a while loop or in the, in the context of a loop uh, that's not surprising because the problem of solving we have not even said how we solve them but the problem of solving the constraints have to do with the fact that they are fixed point equations that have to do with the fact that there is recursion going on in the equations and this is the same I mean, ultimately, uh, the same reason why the while loop here makes troubles um, in so far that we have to use the subrule in a complicated manner in a way or in a manner which is not obvious uh, how to use them. Um, and the reason is the, the, uh, the recursion in a way. Now, we have to use the subrule also in connection with the if then else, all right? So in order to get both branches uh, on the same page so to say however this use of the uh, subrule would be easier we just make the least upper bound the greatest lower bound that would be easier for the while loop it's more tricky in a sense now finally um, i said that a type system is a system of rules which is not in itself a algorithm now if we look at this ones we have here six rules we have however five constructs so there is one construct for each so there's one rule for each construct so which means that if i put in a while then i know exactly what to do wow that that's not true i don't know exactly what i should do because there's an extra rule the sub rule and the sub rule the subsumption rule or the weakening rule can be used always so each time I see, for instance, a conditional, I could use the if or the subrule. If I see a while, I could use the while or the subrule. I could use the sec or the subrule. And this, the, the subrule, the weakening rule, can be used also in arbitrary many times. So which means that um, I can always make it arbitrarily larger or arbitrarily smaller if I just plainly use this uh, subsumption rules. So that means the person who made up this derivation thought about it and used the subrule in a way that helped to carry out the proof but that is not what a computer can do he cannot say well let's try this one this is the best that i should do here so the um a computer using uh trying to uh, implement this way of formalizing it need a way of uh, coming up with a proper uh, algorithmic solution the, 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 so the fourth point that I want to make is that uh, this one um, looks 
very similar to the previous one i mean the, the one with the sigma i mean uh, okay let's see the one with the sigma like that there's only one rule more but this rule breaks everything um as far as an algorithm is called the, the previous one was an algorithm actually a trivial algorithm this one is definitely everything else than an algorithm this is definitely not a type checker or a, uh, a region definition checker this is first of all just a system a specification of uh, how it works it's kind of like the um, thing that we did for the data flow part we said that there is a first part which says take me the control flow graph and then write down the, the data flow equations but writing down the data flow equations does not solve them even give the solution and here's the same uh, in some sense so this one um, uh, is at best um, a specification of the problem actually it's worse than in the data flow um, setting because uh, here I could uh, try to come up with a derivation and the derivation i mean I, I wouldn't need to do backtracking uh, if i have not a good strategy so this is anything else than a proper algorithm this is a specification of it at best okay um okay so so far for that now we do basically the same again we use again rd we use a different uh, flavor of annotation we write um we keep so to say the the base types unchanged we just say a statement uh, takes a state and does a state um however we add uh, somehow the reaching definition uh, on the bottom corresponding kind of like to what we had before where there was rd2 but that turns out not to be enough it's kind of like only so to say the generating uh, uh, information of uh, of a statement so this turns out not in, not enough so what we need is or this is one way of doing it it's a different flavor of again achieving the same um, and the intended meaning of this one is um, the statement s maps states to states we see that it maps a state to a state without further um, information on that um, but rd which we write below let's say is the set of reaching definitions s may produce and x is the set of variables s um, overrides so it's kind of like the kill uh, information um, actually it's not the sets that i mean we have to be here a bit, a bit more precise um, because s could go left and right um, and uh, what we want here is a sort of one could say a must information it's the set of variables that no matter which way the s take goes it's the set of variables that s unavoidably assigns so if we do not have this additional information we cannot write uh, the the system properly down with just the uh, rd um, at the bottom okay well if that is the intended meaning we can try the um, the uh, system again um, i should note already we have one two three four five uh, statements which basically one exact rule for each syntactic 
um, construct which basically up to here would make it um, kind of like an algorithm but a useless one but because we need this slack again so we have again this weakening or this subsumption rule which breaks it again so the result is the specification of the reaching definition but it is not a proper um, algorithm and it's not even um, a, a procedure that allows you to write down a proper specification is just um, like uh, we did for the data flow analysis where we take the control flow graph and get a set of constraints this one does not even get a proper set of constraints uh, sometimes somehow I mean it gets uh, because we have to have backtracking because we generate some constraints or we, we make a derivation and run into a dead end and kind of all right Right, so let's look at the uh, things in the data. Well, this is kind of like a different way of what we already know. Um, the, the sigma to sigma part is always um, analog, so it doesn't change. So it's the trivial part, so we don't discuss it very much. Basically, it says, well, in this um, statement assignment, this is the um, reaching definition which is generated. X is assigned to a label X. And it is also the case that uh, reaching definition concerning x is killed so if there would be a reaching definition coming here the x will be killed but this one will be generated the skip doesn't do anything it uh, does not generate any new reaching definitions and it doesn't kill anything there's no side effect anyway now uh, the sequential composition well um, let's look at this um, if this one generates rd uh, one and this one generates rd2 then um, the uh, what both do is the union of them rd1 union rd2 however uh, it could be that rd1 generates something that is killed uh, by the subsequent s2 that is the information that we have so therefore we have to remove this here and um, the uh, variables that are um, necessarily overwritten uh, are both i mean we just throw them together with this is the union of that now the if then else for some uh, reason is uh, simple for the same reason that it was before because the um, uh, complication or uh, and also the fact that it's not an algorithm is all put into one rule the weakening and strengthening rule now the if then else says that if you have uh, 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 two statements s2 s1 and s2 left and right of the ifs and else and if they have the same kind of behavior they both kill the same variables and they both generate the same reaching definitions then you can use that information to give a type and or annotate a type for the ifs and else uh, finally uh, not finally but next one for the while is the same easiness where the complication is all again put into the subsumption rule if the body uh, of the um, loop has uh, as far as the reaching definition is this kind of effect rd um, then that is the effect uh, of uh, the while loop as well if it necessarily kills x then the uh, effect of uh, the while loop is nothing well why is it nothing well because the we don't know whether the loop is um, executed at all so if it is not executed it doesn't do anything in which case um, we have to write 
uh, the empty set because we said we have to put the variables which are unavoidably assigned and um, if you don't know if the loop is executed at all there is no unavoidability there so this uh, explains this one and finally there is this uh, relaxation going on we can make um, the i mean if we read it from here to here we can make if we start with x1 here x1 uh, sorry x prime here and if you find a smaller one then we can put the smaller one because it talks about unavoidably and if you said unavoidably then making it smaller is also safe so to say mm -hmm. all right uh, uh, and uh, as for the rd part that works in the other way if we if we have a derivation which said rd prime is the stuff that you uh, um, is the proper information about rd then making a larger set is also fine because a larger over approximation is also fine note that it works in uh, the opposite direction here also like in the one that we've seen before the x works in going from the top to the bottom we can we are allowed to become smaller uh, for the rd part um, uh, going from the top to the bottom we are allowed uh, to get larger so the the weakening works in opposite direction for the x for the x's and for the rds somehow um okay uh, let's make a break uh, then oh now let's continue i think um uh, i i think it's not much anymore um then to avoid to have too many files so let's have a, la a last look uh, at kind of like non-standard uh, type systems now we go to effect systems we do that for a functional language uh, for the for the imperative languages um, kind of like the imperative languages have a lot of effects it's only that we didn't put it into the types because we just said we go from a type to type now we have a functional language uh, which has more kind of like um, a more interesting type system um, of course it has no side effects but we will see um, of course not only side effects like assignment to variables um, are called effects there are other things that we can count as effects so that we can put on to the type system the starting point is a, a simple type system and the judgments look like this here I write tau a program or expression e is of type t given the context or assumption or type environment whatever uh, gamma as i said the gamma can often be thought of as the symbol table now the types that we have is let's say bool int and we have function types so if we would like to write a grammar for that we could say the types if tau stands as hard to write with this cursor tau is is bool int and uh, tau to tau so this could be the grammar uh, of the types there are infinitely many types now um, but it's not a complicated type system uh, so far we will might see more complicated ones later okay so this one is kind of like uh, the corresponding type system the thing what we have seen is uh, that you see here is the simply typed lambda calculus um, and uh, well sim simply type lambda calculus with uh, bool and int uh, for instance so okay now there are 
three constructs, so to say. We have variables, we have uh, uh, functions, abstractions, let's say, function abstractions to E, and we have applications. These are the three ones. And correspondingly, we have three typing rules. At least uh, it's simple, therefore we don't have this complication subsumption yet. Uh, so one uh, rule for each construct. Well, um, if the, let's, uh, let's look at the variables, the first one. If it is the case that the uh, context says, uh, if it is the case that the context says variable x is of, has type t, this is kind of like a lookup, can think of look up, uh, look up the binding of x in the symbol table, and if the result is positive and says uh, there is a type, it's called tau. If that is the case, then x is of type tau uh, in that context. Okay, fine. Now the abstraction. Forget about the, the pi. The pi is kind of like the label here, so uh, it's labeled now with, not with L, but with pi. It's the name of uh, kind of like uh, of this abstraction, but let's ignore that because it doesn't play a role in this uh, simple time system. Anyway, so we, we want to give um, the type for the function abstraction here. Well, let's read of it from the top to the bottom. Now, if it is the case that the, the, the body, or which will be the body, the, the expression E is of type tau2. Um, under the assumption, I mean, there's a lot of assumptions, but one assumption that I do is that X is of tau, type tau1. So if that is the ca case, then um, the function abstraction Fn or lambda, if you want, X to E, is a function type which goes from tau1 to tau2. All right, that is the way that abstraction is uh, typed. And finally, the application. The application may be uh, simpler. If, if you have a function, here the expression e1 is a function, namely a function from tau1 to tau2. And if you have an expression which corresponds to a value when evaluated of type tau1, uh, and tau1 is the uh, uh, the input for that one. If that is the case, then the result applying e1 to e2 is of tau type tau2. All right, so these are the three um, uh, rules for, for one flavor of the simply type lambda calculus. One should say, kind of like it's one flavor uh, of the simply type lambda calculus because I make an abstraction fnx, um, but I don't write tau1 here. Uh, this is also possible, it's another flavor, but let's not go into details here. Uh, it's, a, it's a flavor uh, of the lambda calculus where uh, the, one does not have to give the type um, of a function declaration. So this, uh, this is a complication if one would do, implement that, but for the time being it doesn't matter. It, we don't think in terms of implementation right now. Okay, now what we want to do is, is call tracking. Uh, analysis kind of like similar to the control flow analysis somehow but does a slightly uh, um, uh, different things because what the difference is is not uh, comparing it to the the control flow analysis uh, from the previous or one of the previous sections is we want to find out the functions which may be applied somewhere in the program during the exp uh, during the, the evaluation of the program, right? Um, 
And um, that means there will be uh, the, the information that we want is a set of these function labels. Here it's called pi. We could also have used L, I guess. Not I guess, I mean, it doesn't matter. Um, and uh, it is a, a typical foreign effect because it talks about something, not what comes out of the end, the type, the int, the bool, or something like that. It says what information about what happens during the evaluation. Now, the um, um, types have now the form tau1 to tau2, and phi is the set of functions that during evaluation of the function could be applied. Now, uh, of course, if I have now this one tau1 to tau2, and I put extra information, then of course this tau1 and tau2 could also carry extra information, uh, which means that um, I write here tau hat because the hat indicates it's now extra information in some sense. Now, the the um, judgment now says uh, um, expression E is of type tau1, so not tau1, it's of type tau, but there might be this extra information um, on the arrows, like here. Uh, and this is the effect, this, this part is the effect. While evaluating E, you could possibly evaluate functions coming from that set, from that set. Yeah. Okay, and this set is an over approximation somehow of the uh, what happens uh, really. Now, the thing uh, on top of these arrows are called latent effect, because if you have a function like that, this function is not executed. This function will be executed when it will be applied to something. And therefore, um, the thing that you put here on the arrow, this one is known as latent effect. It will only be effectuated when you actually execute a function. But if you don't execute it, but just define it, then it is not, um, then it, it remains latent, so to say. Now, um, this is then the, um, how to say, the um, corresponding analysis. Not hard, actually. It's probably simpler to understand than the control flow analysis. It's a specification of analysis again. It's not kind of like solving them. Uh, and basically, the, the variable rule is trivial somehow. Um, if you look up in the in the environment in the symbol table that this one is the type of variable x with, with this extra information on top of it then it is the case that x is of this type now what is the effect when you execute x which functions will be called when you execute x well nothing will be called there is just a variable there is nothing called therefore it's a kind of like uh, empty now comes the rule for abstraction. Let's perhaps read it uh, from top to the bottom again. So let, this one is kind of like the, the extra context. Let's ignore that. If X has uh, this uh, type T1 with maybe extra information and under this assumption, uh, E is of type tau 2 also again with this extra information. And if it is too, additionally the case, I have to establish that, that when executing E, this is potential um, cause of functions that could occur when executing E, then 
this function itself well what kind of functions will be called when executing uh, this abstraction well no functions will be called because this one is just an abstraction it does not work like a method if you have a method in a class what is executed when you see a method in a class yeah nothing is executed when you see a method in a class a method is just there to be called it will be it may have an effect when you actually executing that but the method itself is kind of like just there so that justifies that the effect of this function this anonymous function this abstraction is empty however the latent effect of that one says all right um the effect of this is um, the body kind of that will be called uh, and this one is also latent because if you call that function then you obviously call the function called p so you have to gather the information of the body the effect of the body captured in phi union with the extra label of the function itself okay now for the application well um, that's again uh, um, kind of like easy so if e1 is of this type and this is the latent effect of e, uh, of this uh, the function e1 and if you have uh, and this is the effect uh, of e1 itself so e e1 could have an effect but it could be a function or is a function which has a latent effect here now this so far for the uh, e1 which is the function that you apply then e2 now e2 has this type and it fits together with this one somehow uh, and if um, e2 has this effect v2 then applying e1 to e2 gives the result type the result type is this one huh? it's the tau 2 and the effect is all of them together it's the effect of e1 it's the effect of e2 and since you apply e1 add on top the latent effect of e1 as well so this one is all the function it's an approximation of the functions that can be that could be called when you do this one and that is a kind of um, the type system is not uh, com uh, too complicated actually there is no um, how to say in this case um, subsumption rule because the type system is pretty simple there is no if and else if we would have ifs and else we should have had some subsumption going on there um, and there is no loop actually uh, the, the lambda calculus has such has no uh, while loop um, it actually is not Turing complete you cannot program a while loop you would need uh, either the untyped lambda calculus or you would need an explicit fixed point construction um, if we had a while loop or some recursion possibility or, or something like that, um, then one would see more complications similar to the one that we've seen before with this subsumption or other kind of tricks there. Uh, but the, the, the type system is straightforward. It's, it's uh, somehow. So there's four, there's three rules for three constructs. So it's pretty straightforward and would also be easy to uh, be implemented. Anyway, let's look at an example. Um, the labels here are called the uh, concre for concrete labels. So the the uh, abs the, the labels or, or the, the points for the function were called p abstractly on the previous slide. Here I use uh, um, x and y uh, capital letters um, for concrete um, names for concrete labels here. 
All right, so um, here's again the example that we have seen um, kind of like uh, in the control flow analysis uh, thing already. Um, if we apply the identity function to another version of the identity function in that way, uh, and let's assume now it's a function from int to int. So, right? so it's for some reason um, we want to establish that it's from into int, could also be bool to bool because we don't say much here, but anyway, into int is what we want. Um, if we want to make a derivation, let's start. Uh, this is not an algorithmic thinking, this is just like trying to use our brain to apply the rules. Let's see what we say here. Now, the function, uh, if we assume that x is of this type, and x, then x is of this type and it has no uh, effect, that's fair enough. Now, if we uh, turn that into an abstraction somehow using the um, abstraction rule then this is a function um, this one is a function um, which contains the label x okay fine it's the latent defect and it takes an function from int to int with y and gives back a function from int to int uh, with a latent effect y and this one in it has also no effect in itself because in abstraction that was the rule for abstraction and here is the same kind of like the um, this function I, I did not write uh, how, how to derive that but this function uh, with y could be from type um, int to int and has uh, this effect we see of course that this the, this swap function and this function is kind of like the same function only that i write um, x here and y here and that i label it differently but they have different types so this is the identity function which works on functions and this is the identity function which works on ints okay fine that, that is to be expected anyway if i put them together what we then see is that the result may call function x which is true, I mean, this function will be called, it calls function x, um, and results in a function which goes from int to int and uh, may has as a latent effect y uh, somehow. So this is a very simple derivation, simpler than the call uh, uh, tracking. Uh, and again, we see one can specif specify um, a, uh, a type system by making uh, derivation rules. But uh, even if this system is very simple, I mean, this sorry, this one is very simple: three rules, three um, uh, three constructs, and absence of subsumption rule. This is still no uh, algorithm. The reason is if you uh, come from here and make these derivations. So where do you know that this function is from int to int and the other function is from int to int to int to int? So there is still some uh, non-algorithmic uh, aspects there. So by saying this is a simple uh, type system, uh, I'm not saying that this is immediately an algorithm. There's still some thinking to be done uh, in order to turn that to an algorithm, but we don't do that, at least not here. Uh, somehow so later I think in the typing part I, I will spend some time in talking about type inference because it's an important technique type inference deals with things like that you write a function fnx uh, to x in our notation here and the user does not bother to write what type should x be and since it is not indicated by the user the type system will have to do some extra work to figure it out and is not 100% easy and not 100% trivial to do that. 
and that is sometimes called type inference or type reconstructions and we will see that but not too deep uh, it's an important topic it's not too deep because we are going more into the non-standard parts the effect parts the reaching definitions life variable analysis and and, and these kind of things because um, yeah the type inference is also interesting but the other part is maybe more uh, static analysis um, in the sense of data flow in the sense of this kind of stuff we will see uh, what we will do at any rate uh, this uh, concludes uh, the small teaser of the uh, type and effect system uh, and then there will be a last section uh, this one will be uh, quite small about uh, algorithms uh, later we will pick that up as well in the main part but um, for the introductory part the algorithms will not be super long